Gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Capital Sports on Moscow's Capital FM, the number one English language radio sports show on mainland Europe. We are live and loud here on Russia's number one English language radio station. And what a day it is. It's a very happy birthday to us as we turn a big bowl four years old. To celebrate this landmark, we not only have food and drink gift vouchers to give away this hour and the next hour, of course, we also have a true, really, really, really all-star lineup of guests for you to enjoy tonight. All the way through to 11 o'clock. And as always, we'll bring you the very best news, views, reviews, previews and interviews in the world of sports. And just what is on the birthday card for tonight? Well, listen, there was that Loco Dinamo Moscow Derby a little bit earlier today. We're going to tell you what happened in that one. Uh, Right now, the game has just finished up in St. Pete's for Zenith and Spartak. We'll catch up with Andrew Flint for all of the Russian football news. Of course, looking back a little bit at the European week that was for Russian clubs. In part two, we'll speak with our Arsenal and Dutch football expert James Rowe as it's the sack race, shall we say, around Western Europe. And, of course, now Arsenal fans have something finally in common with the red part of Moscow. Udai Emery, uh, the ex-Spartak coach, of course, he couldn't survive after that Europa League loss this Thursday against Eintracht 
course, Eintracht had a red half of Frankfurt. While in Holland, ex-Siskan Russia coach Linus Slusky, he resigned from Vitesse Arnhem. Um, have, and now he is li- being linked with jobs in Portugal and, of course, in England. In part three, award-winning ESPN writer Michael Jokin, and he, of course, he is the European football expert for us as well. He will talk Napoli, and he gives a very, very different view of last night's Euro 2020 draw. At 10 o'clock, we'll go across to Alex B. He's another birthday baby, of course, and he's going to tell us about the predictable outcome from the Miles Garrett helmet scandal, plus Colin taking E. Kaepernick and his trials and ongoing tribulations. In part five, that's around five, uh, 10.20, we're going to talk with ex-Celtic and Ireland international, Killian Sheridan, who, of course... Well, he's not only uh, a cavern man, but he's winning matches in the Israeli top flight. Uh, and we'll talk about his football journey as well as just why now is he known as an uber, uber Twitter troll or internet troll. And finally, in part six, Andrew Flint, he returns from his Siberian exile and he'll discuss Tokyo 2020 and, of course, that Hillsborough uh, verdict from this week. Um, and, of course, we'll have our tips of the week. We have Double N working the phones, his magic fingers flying across the buttons, and we have Andy Mack. He is back in his hot seat. Uh, but first, earlier today, Loco had Dinamo over as guests, and Dinamo exited the Ergede Arena with three points after a 2-1 win. Another depressing loss this week for Lokomotive. Um, that game, rec- or just now, has finished up in St. Petersburg. It was 1-0. 10 mans any beat Spartak. Uh, it was quite bad last night as well because we know that the police up there, they headed off quite a number of potential fights between fans. Uh, just under 100 people arrested. Mostly Spartak fans. I think there might have been a bit of well, a little bit of victimisation of the Spartak fans, but then again, they were going there. Well, the ones that were arrested were going there to cause a bit of bother. Now, as the Russian Premier League stands right now, Zenith top the table, they are on 42 points. Lokomotiv struggling now. They're in second place. They are on 34. Siska with that game tomorrow against uh, Arsenal Tula, they have 17 games played. They're on 33 points, so a chance to leapfrog Loco into second place. Krasnodar, they also have a game in hand uh, and they are on 33 points as well. Rostov hanging in there in fifth. Dinamo, Dinamo have moved up. Now they are, they said today they are chasing a spot in the uh, Europa League. So they are on sixth, or in the sixth place on 24 points. Spartak slipped behind Ufa. Spartak now in eighth place. And right down the bottom of the table, Tambov and Sochi still propping up everybody else. Now, over in England, before we go to Andrew uh, Flint, we'll just give you quick updates from England. Uh, Freddie Lundberg's first match in charge of Arsenal ended 2-2 with a uh, 2-2 draw with Norwich. Manchester United, uh, that game is ongoing right now. I'm looking to uh, Andy Mack at that game. Still ongoing, still 2-2. Oh, it was uh, United were 1-0 down, then 1-1. They went 2-1 ahead and now it is 2-2 heading into the final furlong. Okay, um, Man- that's Manchester United and Aston Villa. Yesterday, Chelsea, they lost at home 1-0 to West Ham. Bit of a story, but that we'll speak about it later on with the West Ham keeper. Um, Jose Mourinho's Spurs, they don't make it easy, do they? Uh, they won 3-2 against Bournemouth. Liverpool struggled, but they got that win 2-1 against Brighton. And Man City struggling again, 2-2 against, yes, Newcastle United, uh, one of our favourites. So it's, it's, it's all to play for right there in the English Premier League. Right now, with 14 games played, Liverpool are top. They're 10 points clear of Leicester. Leicester are playing right now. Uh, Andy Magnus, it's 1-1 Leicester against... Everton, okay, against Everton. Thank you very much, Anyak. Right, so that's 1 1. Everton, of course, they could be looking for a manager very soon as well. Um, Watford, we know we, they sacked their manager. Arsenal lost their manager as well, just to be predicted last week. So let's see what's happening. So Man City now are down, as it stands, they are down into third place on 29 points. Chelsea, 
despite that loss they are in fourth place on 26 points and Spurs nice and steady in fifth place on 20 points Wolves and Sheffield who played at a 1-1 draw earlier on today are in sixth and seventh place respectively Arsenal in eighth place Man United have moved up they are up into ninth place on 18 points just nipping ahead of Burnley and Crystal Palace West Ham really needed that win yesterday they are on 16 points and in 13th place of course that's my uh, favourite England team the Abu Dhabi the final Grand Prix Formula 1 Grand Prix race of the season was won by another Lewis Hamilton so of course the uh, leader of the uh, overall championship he won the championship course a few weeks ago so there you go it's boring as anything now that question that question for 1000 rubles worth of uh, food and drink from Katie O'Shea's on Prospect Mirror that is coming up in this in part two so be ready for that plus seven nine two five one 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 zero five three get ready with your dining fingers okay we're going to go straight away out to Tumen to our man in Siberia Andrew Flint Andrew um, that that was a bad loss for Loka today wasn't it oh it was terrible um, it was really depressing because the performance was just so unbelievably flat um, I, I didn't be, I'll be honest I didn't see it coming I know Dinamo have had a good run of results but um, for Loka that is concerning because they've now lost serious ground on Zanid I, I really would say that is effectively title over now OK, I mean, Zenith, of course, winning against Spartak uh, today, it seems to be both on and off the field. Um, especially with, you know, the, the man who scored the goal for Zenith today, he was in great form this week, of course, midweek against Lyon. That must be sickening for the Spartak fans. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he he had a, a typically Juba performance tonight just now. Um, absolutely actually dominating physically, but also just using the possession well. When they went down to 10 men, um, you know, Juba was chasing back, defending. He was carrying the ball forward, winning clever free kicks up the pitch and absolutely dominating Ilya Kutipov. So, um, Spartak fans will not have enjoyed that. Um, so, they certainly made themselves known, though. Um, I've... Yeah, I, I, uh, because it, that, that game, that goal, of course... Technology was... to cover over chance... And of course, it, the, the goal was given as a, an own goal against Kutubov, am I correct? Uh, yes, yeah, it was, it was Juba's header, rebounded back and hit Kutubov's knee and went in. Um, but yes, it was Kutubov's own goal, yes. Okay, so, I mean, I mean, it was good for Zenit, okay, okay, we shouldn't be speaking against the Moscow clubs, but it was good for Zenit to get that win because you, you would kind of, I, I fancy Spartak to go up and to grind out a draw because, I mean, they, they looked very difficult to beat. And yet at times in that game, I only saw just snippets of the first half, they were, they were pretty decent. Spartak were, were, you know, if it ended in a draw, you wouldn't have begrudged them. No, I mean, they, they played quite an interesting system with three at the back um, and Bakayev as the number 10 again, as he has done under Tedesco quite a lot. Um, I'd say Zanit were controlling the game more, as they tend to do at home. It's not exactly a, a revelation to say that. But even the substitutions when they came on, um, Lorenzo Malgorejo, he had a couple of good chances. One header hit the post. Um, Spartak were not rolling over, even before um, the red card. So... It, Zanit had to work for it. They certainly had to earn it. And there's there's no shame in losing to Zanit. And, and, and especially in the manner that Sparta did. They they fought well. Okay, I mean, at least it'll give them a bit of confidence, like, uh, continue on. Loco losing today, I mean, uh, okay, they had uh, Alexei Moranchuk to thank with the, the penalty goal, of course. But losing at home against Dinamo, I mean, that's... That, that's that's a particularly tough point, especially when, you know, there was under 20,000 people at the game. So I would have expected a lot more going to that game, especially that it was an early kickoff. 
Oh, absolutely. It was it was such a flat performance from Loco. I was really, really, really disappointed. Kachogat particularly disappointed me because he's been on such good form this season. But he, he was just a, com- a complete passenger. You, you wouldn't have noticed him on the pitch, to be honest. Um, Smoloff coming on um, for his first start in a while, he again looked well off the pace. Everything just looked very, very slow. And I, I think it was a desperately disappointing performance. And the, the result, to be fair, Dinamo deserved it. Um, but they, they are certainly the form Moscow side at the moment, you'd have to argue. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're not just scrambling up the table. They are like gliding up the table. Like, and, and they are, you know, they, they're a very, very good side. I mean, we did reckon that they would get a bit of a bounce, but this is, this is continuing on. Um, Look, look, looking overall at the at the locomotive team, I mean, they need to sort of like regather themselves. And uh, Yuri Seoman, the head coach, he said that this winter he will be. He said that come the second half of the season or second or the spring part of the season, it'll be a very different locomotive team uh, that they'll see. Now, does that mean Andrew that he's going to try and um, flog players off, bring players in? I mean, what like what what sense can we make of that? Yeah, it was an interesting comment, really. And most managers, you'd assume that simply means a change of personnel. But with Simon, we know he's very reluctant to make wholesale changes. To be honest, I don't imagine we'll see a huge amount of actual transfer movement, but more, I think, the style of play. I think this season, he's seen his players play, at times, a really, really engaging, energetic style of play. And I think perhaps he might try a few more formations. I don't imagine we'll see a huge amount of changes um, in the transfer market. But, you know, we've been, uh, it could well be wrong. And this is when Russian clubs do a lot of business over winter, isn't it? So perhaps perhaps we will see one or two arrivals. Now, Andy Mack is here in the studio with us and he did mention um, that this time last year, we saw local, uh, kind of this last two seasons as well. Well, la- the season before last when they won the league, uh, they had that, they went on the skids after New Year. I mean, they had a dreadful time of it, uh, including getting humiliated by uh, Krasnodar, down in Krasnodar. But Andy, you, you reckon that this is kind of a seasonal effective disorder for Lokomotiv this age? Well, this is now, um, they've won one game in nine in all competitions, which is a serious concern. And you have to wonder how long it's going to take before they make serious changes in terms of personnel, whether they look to the manager, I doubt it. But something has to change. Um, I know they've got a winter break coming up, but I mean, there's there's a serious. Yeah, as as Andrew said, I think Zenit are going to now coast away with this, but they need to make sure that they they're going to be securing themselves European football again next year. And if you look, compare that to the form of teams coming up behind. Dinamo have now won four of their last five in the league, and no one would have expected that. Um, so yeah, major changes, I think, but I don't know how. I mean. Th- Andrew, would it be worthwhile looking, because um, Andy brought it up, look what it may be, maybe because his contract's up at the end of uh, uh, this summer, I think in <laughs> May. <he's laughs> a, yeah, so, so, so basically to uh, remove Mr. Seoman and basically bring in somebody during the winter break who's going to reinvigorate the side. Maybe uh, a specialist, not Emery, but maybe a, a very good European coach who can actually get the best out of a very talented bunch of players. Wait. Well, I think it's extremely unlikely we'll see much movement um, in the managerial seat. And I'm not entirely sure what effect a manager can have if they come in at this stage, because we've only got, what, another 11 games of domestic season left. I mean, it, you'd imagine if they were going to make a change, they'd make it straight away in December. So at least there would be a two or three months of, well, effectively pre-season training, the mid-season training. But even then, I, I think it's too much of a risk. I think Shomin can get the job done in terms of getting back into Europe. And in the short term, that's basically all they need to do. Um, 
But it wouldn't hurt possibly to start putting feelers out to see who might be available next summer because Simon cannot go on forever. No, and I mean, this is not, it's not an ageist thing. He's done well. He, like, the, the players that were brought in under the previous uh, president and sports director, uh, Ilya Gurkos and um, Eric Stoffel says, they've been doing the business. They've been scoring goals, like Krahoviak and so on. You know, the Moranchuks who've been, were blooded mm. through, um, you know, all these guys who were brought in and brought through the side uh, are doing well. Small, okay, small of a side who really hasn't done the business up in Lokomotiv realistically. Um, I know you're a fan, Andrew, but he, he hasn't really, you know, made that. <laughs> he, he hasn't made the impact that, that you would want, have wanted him to do. Um, and looking at Krasnodar, Krasnodar is still knocking in goals. They've scored more goals than Lokomotiv. So, I mean, Krasnodar were quite happy to get rid of him. Um, but maybe, maybe, I don't know, it might be a chance to promote from within. Maybe Loskov or some of that might step up and take over. Yeah, that's, that's not a bad not a bad call to be honest. I, I agree with you on on Smoloff. I <laughs> I admit my admiration for him was more emotional, shall we say, when he saved Oral a few seasons ago on loan. But he he just isn't up to it um, as leading the line. He just looks so pedestrian today, and that's not out of character over the last few months when he's brought us. You know, the last few games he's played. Um, yeah, I, I think perhaps the you know in terms of leading the team forward, they need somebody who can have the ultimate respect of the fans. I mean, Loskov, the name Loskov is a legendary name, of course. So I, I don't see why not. Um, I actually think the youngsters coming through, like you mentioned, are, are doing the job. They just simply need to have some sense of direction about them. I'm not entirely sure what direction Loco are going in the second half of the season. Okay, listen, Andrew, we're going to come back to you at the end of the show and uh, we'll run over this as well and also have a chat about some other burning issues of the day. So Andrew will be right back, or he'll be back actually at uh, 10.40. Uh, we're going to go to the break, of course. Again, it's happy birthday to us. We're four years old and we'll have our first giveaway. The giveaway uh, in the next segment, actually next and third segment. So be ready. So we're going to go out. We're going to go out with a, kind of an upbeat song to get you all like dancing around the kitchen or wherever you may be tonight. Uh, don't dance in the car because it's a bit icy on the road it's a bit slippery on the road tonight but it's not that great so uh, this Sigala and Just Got Paid will be back after this Capital Sports with Alan Moore I should grow up someday cause I got bills to pay I can't be waking up at someone else's place I know I drink too much can't pay my this month, I should be saving up, but I just got
party. Don't cause trouble, don't bother nobody. Lottie Dottie, walk up in the party. Sports bra, sports car drive. Show up, show out. Bow in, bow out. Go in, go out. So rock, we pull out. I got more diamonds. Ladies be the finest. Crush grapes, we don't do the wine. Crush dinner, top spinner. Cool bean, front grilling. Got paid, hop G5 fade. Rope chain shell toast. Wave you like a sailboat. When you hit a hand, there you go. Montana with the funky sound. Sagala got the lungy sound. I should blow up this day. Stuck in my glory days. I know there's nothing wrong. It's just a passing phase. And when I've had my fun, I swear I'll be someone. I know that day will come. But I hope you enjoyed that cigar and just got paid. Always lives me up. No, doesn't matter if I'm walking down the street in Moscow, that comes on the headphones and the feet start twitching a wee bit, you know. Right, uh, those games in England, Leicester City 1-1 with Everton still, so Everton hanging on to their coach for another week at least, probably. Uh, good result for Everton against a really, really good team. Oh, 2-1 for... Leicester have just scored. Leicester have just scored 2-1 and uh, 2-1 and it's 2-2 United and Villa almost full-time about those games. Okay, so, um, just want to, how we say this, Lina Sluski, who we all know as uh, both the Siska coach and ex-head coach and the head coach of the Russian national team, was amazing with Siska, really got the best out of a, a very good group of players, bonded them together, was outstanding in Europe, outstanding at home, um, played a great system. When he went up to the uh, national team, Something just didn't seem to work for him at that moment. It was maybe too much pressure, and there was times in the two. And also, of course, we know what went around the 2016 Euros with the. I was going to say um, something in, ending with holes uh, fighting in the street. Um, oh, there was a chalked off. That goal was chalked off. It's still one-one Leicester uh, and Everton chalked off because of VAR. It is nine, two minutes extra time being played or injury time. Sorry, being played in that Leicester game and one minute injury time in the United game at Old Trafford. Right. Um, <clears throat> Anyway, uh, Lina Suski, um, he, with all that was going on around with the hooliganism and the fighting in the streets and so on, uh, the Russian players and the English players as well, but the Russian players especially underperformed. So, 
That being said, the fact that he went out to Hull City, we know that, we, we, we covered that, his great journey in England, a team that was chronically underfunded and sort of been messed around by the owner at the time. Um, and then he went to Vitesse Arnheim with kind of a view of using that as a stepping stone to go back into a higher league, for example, the English Premier League. Uh, he had this interview uh, after um, earlier on in this month when he's being linked with a job in Portugal. So just have a listen to what he had to say. Mr. Slutsky, uh, let's start about the rumours. Are you uh, the new coach of Sporting Lisboa? Oh, this is gossip and for me this is not interesting really because I am concentrated on very important match today and I can't to think about gossip about something. Is it gossip or did uh, they uh, contact you? No, no, this is gossip because I have a two years term contract with Vitesse and I want to work here. So, for definite, you're not going there? Yes, if only owner or maybe director box suck me, yes, in this situation I will go out. Excuse me? No, no, if, if owner will suck me, of course. Oh, okay, if the owner will suck you. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, the rumors that there is a gap of 500,000 euros uh, for, the, for, for, for the... I don't know about this, really, really. It's a, for me, big surprise. Everybody today asks me about this question, but this is only gossip, nothing. So, definitely, you will stay? Yes. 100%? 100%. Life. So basically, uh, there you have it. So he basically had said that, you know, that if what he did say, by the way, was sack as in fire. So he didn't say suck, which a lot of people. Yeah, do. he's not honouring his suck. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's Holland that, but he didn't say that. So anyway, so uh, also during the week we had, of course, uh, Una Emery. He got the boot from Arsenal. I mean, it was coming for a long time. A lot of. Spartak fans, of course, uh, were on social media glorying in it, saying that he was overrated. Well, I mean, Spartak paid that uh, price today. But, of course, uh, Leon Slutsky, he leaves, he leaves the club. Um, I mean, how can you say? Well, let's get more of this from our uh, Dutch and Arsenal expert. Um, James Rowe, you're on the line with us, I believe. Yeah, that's correct. Good evening. How are you? Very good. Listen, um, he's leaving uh, Vitesse. They're in eighth place, but they are, they're only four points off third place uh, behind PSV Eindhoven. Now, they have a game extra played. Um, right, right now, uh, a lot of Dutch fans are, are well disposed towards Leonid. Um, what, what, what have you heard back and what have you seen in Holland in terms of the, uh, the, the attitude towards the, uh, the, the Russian coach? Uh, well, it's one of respect, one of respect, and one of love, really. When he first uh, arrived at the club, he gave an interview to Dutch media where he stated that he's so happy to be in the Netherlands, and he sees it as an opportunity to use it as a springboard for his um, for his career in future managing in Europe. And the expectations that Vitesse have, we've uh, recently won the Dutch Cup a few seasons ago, and wanting to kick on as a club. And they have some very good players too, and it seemed to be like a very good match. And uh, things were were bumbling along, and he was doing well, getting some good results. And um, yeah, he just took it upon himself after losing their fifth consecutive game away to Heerenveen Vane on Friday evening that he decided that you know he's a coach that has a heart, and that after losing five consecutive games, the best thing for him to do is step aside in that respect. Let's let's put that into context, right? Um, most coaches, any ones I've worked with before, have to be basically dragged, kicking and screaming. We're, we're talking kind of like uh, Saddam Hussein, kind of like 
out, you know, out of their bunker, out of the hole in the ground, because they do not want to lose that money. They're not going to on honour say, listen, uh, like we would do in a normal job here, say, listen, I'll take two weeks' notice and leave, or I'll work for the final mm-hmm. month and go, or I'm not up to this job, or I'm I'm letting down the the club. Um, so. How how unusual is it for him to have done that, to basically walk away from a job and not get fired and get a big payout? It is very unusual. It doesn't happen very often. But as I say, I think he wanted to uh, to honour his own um, methods and his own standards and give Vitesse an opportunity to, to find a better a better manager in his eyes that he could, that could help the club after losing five games. And Vitesse also have some very good players. They have uh, Tim Matavs. He's a very competent striker, especially at Eredivisie level. Brian Linson is an attacking midfielder who's an excellent player, so underrated. And he chipped in with many, many goals uh, at important times. And um, Julian Nillyfeld as well, they have a good defender in him. And um, they have a good crop of players, but I think it's the, the point of uh, Leonard Slitsky wanting to uh, to respect the club and, and step aside and, and, and let them grow and hopefully go on to better things. Now, of course, uh, the club are owned by Valery Oif, um, the uh, Ukra- well, Ukrainian Russian, shall we say? Um, how, how, you know? And of course, he's, he's a, a very, very wealthy uh, gentleman. Um, do you think that you know that last year he took over full ownership of the, of the club, um, and he was all, also a, a, a partner of Roman Abramovich? Of course, we know that Vitesse are like very, very close with uh, Chelsea. Do you think that maybe they, that was the view that we all had that, you know, um, Leonard would do well in Vitesse and then sort of like progress across to take over from Frank Lampard when he fell apart? Well, po- possibly. I mean, but obviously you spoke about experience, his, uh, Leonard Stritsky's experience in the, um, in, the, in the introduction about his time with the Russian national team. He certainly does have a good reputation. He's obviously a, a good manager, a competent manager. But I think Slutsky himself, by his own admission, took the job at Vitesse to to kickstart a springboard of, of his career in Europe. And he was, I remember watching his opening day press conference where he was so delighted to be there. And it was also a coup for Vitesse to to get a player, a, a coach of that level. Correct. Okay, we're going to just try and get uh, James back in the phone because he, he, he's, he's been over in Norwich at the uh, Norwich Arsenal game. So, uh, double M to get him back on the phone. Okay, James, you're back with us. Um, so, you were saying it was a real coup uh, for them to, to get such a high, highly rated coach. Yeah, I believe so. I think if you look at the Eredivisie and, and, the, and the managerial changes that have been made... I think that um, Vitesse did very well to get a, ca- uh, a coach of Leonard Slutsky's uh, calibre, and I believe it was a good fit. Okay, because I mean, they, I saw not too long ago, um, well, ha- there was a, a, an award ceremony here, and the foundation, the schools, Saltillo uh, School, run by Keizuki Honda, uh, of course, the ex- a, a player who played under Slutsky, he has now uh, gone to Vitesse to prepare for next year's Olympics because he wants to play for Japan in the Olympics. Um, do you think that that maybe was a maybe a, a misstep on his part that maybe he should have you know m- you know that this kind of like is a bit overstepping his mark maybe? Possibly, but I think I think he was just trying to give an opportunity to a player that he's maybe played under him before, and I think they played together at Sesc- uh, played um, well worked together. Played, work, yeah. They played together at Seska Moscow, I think. Yeah, that that and is true. I, yeah. I think, Hmm. And I think he just wanted to give an opportunity to a player in that respect. 
Um, we, we played a wee clip just there, if you heard it, um, about the, the interview we had recently about that he's been linked with the Sporting Lisbon job. Um, mm. Do you think that maybe he did that, stepped down so that he, he could leave more easily to, to go to Sporting? No, I don't think so. I think he was very happy in benevolence. And I just think it's the case that, that he scored, that he, um, he had suffered five consecutive defeats where he thought it was time. And um, the interview that he gave to the Dutch um, media outlet NOS, where he said, you know, the, the media were saying, but we want you to stay. We're very happy with you. And he was saying, no, I, I have a heart. And I understand that when you lose five ma- matches as a manager, it can be very difficult to remain in your position. So you, you'd, you'd put uh, your house on it that he's not going to end up in Portugal anytime soon? I think it's highly unlikely. I think uh, there's been an upturn for Sporting Lisbon uh, recently. And I think it's always been a club that, personally, it's just my opinion, it's always been a club that when they have a Portuguese coach, they always seem to kind of um, uh, improve. So I think they'll, they'll want to continue on that factor. I'll be highly surprised if Lennon Tulitsky, uh, would was to become the uh, new manager of Sporting uh, Club de Portugal. Okay, that, listen, that, that, that is good. Um, listen, before we move away from uh, Dutch uh, magic, shall we say, uh, we now know the, uh, the groups that are going to be, well, that, that, like, who's playing who um, next year. And of course, Netherlands is drawn as a home team. Um, mm-hmm. They are, of course, playing, uh, they have Ukraine, Austria, and then the winner of, play, uh, of Path DA um, mm. coming through. So, I mean, that's, I mean, it's, it's, it's quite decent then for, for Holland because I mean they have what they have like uh, three games at home that's correct and they're very pleased about that Ronald Koeman in particular after in the aftermath of the draw was very pleased to have avoided Portugal because obviously being aware of the quality that the and the, the squad possesses and um, I think um, I think it's a, it's a good draw for them but I would warn against them underestimating Austria they have a, a very good manager in Franco Foda who's managed to really improve Austria and have them qualifying for a major tournament again and obviously Shevchenko being the main man manager at Ukraine and you know he's a hero to many of those players so they'll want to want to serve their hero well and want to play very well for their country it'll be a massive source of motivation so I think the Netherlands can be confident but they mustn't be overconfident no this is fair enough because they have been accused of that in the past when you know they, they've you know, they've flattered to deceive, they've actually underachieved quite badly. Um, of course, they will end, they'll end up meeting one of Georgia, Belarusia, North Macedonia, uh, Kosovo, or, um, <laughs> this is another one, uh, Bulgaria, Hungary, Iceland, or Romania. They're going to meet one of those, uh, one of those eight, shall we say, in the, in, in the final, uh, in, in the final group. Um, how confident would you be that they would at least, you know, get, well, they'll, they get out of the group, and how far do you reckon they'll go in the uh, Euros? Um, my initial prediction Alan, is that I think they'll reach the quarterfinals. Okay, that's actually quite good. Okay, uh, those games, by the way, uh, it finished two-one to Leicester over Everton and two-two between Man U and Aston Villa. Now, yes, or earlier on today, of course, you were at that game in Carrow Road between Norwich and Arsenal. Arsenal fought back two times uh, to to draw two-two under Mister uh, Underwear Model Freddie Lundberg. Um, how 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 did the match rate? as his first one in charge. Um, do you think that they may have, should have hung on to Emery for another couple of weeks? Um, I to give you an answer to your second point first, yes, I do think they should have hung on under Emery for a couple more weeks. And I think Lundberg's team was set up today to go for the win. But collectively, as a defence, we, uh, we are still struggling. If you look at the defensive lines, 
and the uh, failure to anticipate danger. And Norwich have some very good players. Tom, Todd Cant- Cantwell in particular is a very good player and they exploited some of the space. So, But being at the match, I do think that a draw was a fair result. And you could say that Norwich were unlucky not to win with very good saves made by Bert Leno. OK, well, people speaking today, uh, I heard a, a, a long discussion um, on Irish Radio that Pochettino could well end up at uh, well at Arsenal. But that, that does seem quite unlikely, doesn't it? Um, I think so. I, I think so. He's very loyal, Pochettino. When he was in charge of Espanyol, he often stated that you know, the love he has for Espanyol means he could never become Barcelona manager. And I think something very similar to his tenure at Tottenham. And I think with his, uh, with his background as a manager and also as a player being also very loyal, um, I think it's unlikely that he will become manage- the new manager of Arsenal. Okay, because, I mean, again, he would have to, um, apparently, in, under the rules or terms of his payoff from Tottenham, that he'd have to pay £12.5 million if he was to take another Premier League job this season. So I, I, I guess he's not going to uh, lose that kind of little bit of a nest egg. Um, people, of course, say, no, he shouldn't jump into Arsenal. But also, um, there is this rumour uh, that Brendan Rodgers, the ex, um, well, the Northern Irish uh, manager, uh, uh, born coach he um, you know it, it says that the, the Arsenal job is his dream job but I, would you think that he'd be a decent fit? Possibly but I don't think I don't believe he's going to leave Leicester as you just mentioned they won again today they have fantastic momentum and I think he wants to see how far he can push that club particularly this season Okay, and I mean, if we uh, well, that is fair enough. What about uh, Mikel Arteta? Because again, he's been linked as well. He's of course the assistant over at Man City. Would you think would he be a decent fit? Um, well, it's just my personal opinion, speaking as an Arsenal fan as well. Arteta is yet to manage a club, and I would prefer someone with uh, managerial experience being the main man manager of a club. And I think that the pool that Arsenal have to identify is um, they have to go through certain criteria. But they also mustn't be afraid to uh, to go a little bit left of field or, you know, to identify if, uh, who they think is the right target. You know, you've got to learn from our mistakes. And I, I thought Unai Emery was a little bit hard done by because to step into shoes of a predecessor who was there for 22 years and then for him to only receive 18 months was a... Uh, was a little bit too short of time, yeah. in my opinion. So I hope that the board take their time and appoint the right manager. If you were heading the board right now, um, one 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 name, what would it be? Uh, Chris Wilder, Sheffield United. Very good, a good English guy as well, and someone who's proven that yeah. he can he can do it on relatively limited resources. Listen, James, thank you so so much. Uh, enjoy your trip back home, and we'll talk to you again very very soon when you're back in the Netherlands. Thank you very much indeed. And regards to everybody, and we'll speak again soon. Thanks, James. Okay, so uh, we're going to go to the break right now. We're going to come back with another top guest, uh, the ESPN ESPN writer Michael uh, Jokin. So we're going to go out with uh, a theme song for the English Premier League that used to be here, well, when it was uh, broadcast live here in Russia. It's Kasabian and Fire. So be back after break. And of course, we're ready for our quiz question. Capital Sports with Alan Moore.
Okay, folks, I hope you enjoyed that because just we were discussing it um, during the break and I, I said I remember that from um, when I was living in Podmoscovia and, and, and not just back into Moscow as well, 2010, 2011. That was the, the theme tune, as we found out, for the English Premier League between 2010 and 2013. I heard it so often. And I mean, it's one of those songs that just gets into your brain and when you're sitting like kind of and they're, and they're just like playing true results and goals, it just, it grows on you. Yeah, you just find yourself humming it for about the next 30 minutes, even yeah. afterwards, yeah. It's a great song, and I mean, we, again, I was just saying, we're very, very lucky that we um, were allowed to play this, like, real, like, sports music by our boss, because, again, you know, this is a, you're more of a, a, a modern station. This is a little bit old, but at the same time, Double N's getting electric shocks from the board. <laughs> so, uh, <coughs> what he doesn't know is that Alan controls those electric shocks. <laughs> yeah, that's to keep you awake tonight. <laughs> right. Um, and, of course, just so you know as well, that that is the gold song for Leicester City. There you go. The gold song for Leicester City, because, of course, they are from Leicester. Now, um, we're going to go across into uh, Michael Jokin now in just a moment. Uh, Andy, you, you had an opinion in terms of uh, Brendan Rodgers. You don't think it's a good fit? I'm, I'm not saying I don't think it's a good fit. Um, I'm what were you saying? I, I'm saying I don't doubt, uh, doubt that he'd jump ship at the first opportunity. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, yes, from, uh-huh. from, from, from personal... What did but, you call him? What did you call him? Um, nothing. I think I called him Ro- Roland something, um, an iconic children's cartoon yeah, character. That, that uh, brought the black Looks death. a bit like a big mouse. Yeah, rat. Okay. <laughs> um, right. Question plus seven ninety five one 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 zero five three. This is to win a thousand rubles worth of food and drink to Kedoshes on Prospect Mirror, right beside your embassy. So you'll probably see some embassy staff there. So you'll have a bit of a laugh. You get some real English uh, language and some real Irish food and drink. Okay. Question is very very simple. It's an A or B one. Who are the current UEFA European? Football champions. Is it A, Portugal, or B, Spain? Of course, the championships were last held in 2016 in France, we remember that. We were discussing earlier on. So, who are the reigning champions? Is it A, Portugal, or B, Spain? Okay, so, plus seven ninety five one 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 zero five three. Now, we're going to go straight across the phone to a man that, uh, I, I said, like, when we, when we met um, at last year's World Cup, I was, I, you know, I've been always impressed by his writing and something he wrote not too long ago, I'm going to ask him to discuss it a wee bit because it's about a team that we saw midweek really fail under, and as Andy, Andy Mack, they're losing tonight right now? Yeah, currently losing 2-1 to Bologna in stoppage time. Okay, and this could be very, very bad for their coach. We're, of course, speaking about Napoli, the former club of Diego Maradona. Um, Michael Jochen of ESPN, uh, welcome to Capital Sports. Uh, I hope you're glad to make your debut with us. Good evening. And I hope you're, you're happy to be with us tonight. Yeah, of course. Okay, that's good. <laughs> just, just, just so I don't know. Um, just move that gun a bit tighter to his back. Exactly. So, Michael, no, we're, no, no pressure. But listen, that was a terrific article midweek uh, about Napoli. Can you just tell us a bit of the, 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 the background of the club and what's been going on and why you've taken the stance that you have in terms of what's going to happen next with them? Well, uh, you know, uh, Napoli are having a, a very, very difficult time uh, in the last uh, couple of months because uh, uh, the, the president, the owner, uh, De Laurentiis, uh, thought that he can do whatever he likes. And uh, for some reason, uh, his players decided that he can't. And uh, when he ordered them into uh, some kind of... Uh, a closed uh, a, a training, uh, a, a, you know, for, for for a few days. They just refused and go home, and then they are on. Uh, it it all exploded, and 
uh, actually the, the result at Enfield in the in week, midweek was absolutely phenomenal for them, but uh, uh, and they are basically through to the next uh, round in the Champions League, but uh, in 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 the, the Italian league in Serie A, they're in a huge trouble and they might fail to. I, I, I qualify them for the Champions League, uh, let alone fighting for the title, which is uh, beyond them. They, they are uh, at the moment they are about to to have their uh, seventh uh, game without a win if they lose to uh, to Bologna, and it looks like it. And uh, the spirit there is extremely low. You know, if uh, if uh, Arsenal are looking for for a coach, uh, then Carlo Ancelotti might be available very very soon. But I mean, as, uh, we know Ancelotti uh, very, very well. As a player, of course, he, he won the Serie A with both Roma and Milan. Um, he, you know, uh, as a manager, and of course, as a player, he, he, he won bronze in Italia 90 uh, when he beat England, of course. Um, as a manager, he's, he's won everywhere he's gone, including the Premier League with Chelsea in uh, 2010. He won with uh, the league in France with uh, PSG. He's won the Champions League, of course, with Real Madrid. He's won the Bundesliga with Bayern Munich. Um, he won the Serie A with Milan as well. So this is a winning coach. He is a winner in every sense of the word. Um, why do you think De Laurentiis, who, as we know, is a, is a, is a movie mogul, shall we say, why is he messing yeah. around? Why is he messing around with a, a guy who has a proven track record as a player, you know, and a coach, and a team that has uh, the entire city of Napoli loves the yeah, team? Yeah, it, it, it's, it's a bit... It's a bit strange, uh, but uh, but he, uh, the, the owner is not against the coach. The coach was caught in, in between, uh, between the owner and the players. Uh, for some reason, uh, I think uh, the owner might have been a little bit uh, annoyed with the stance of his star players like uh, uh, Callejon and Mertens, who demanded bigger contracts. Uh, 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 their contracts uh, are running out in, 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 uh, by the end of the season, so they wanted to sign a new deal, and they, they made uh, 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 significant demands, and, uh, and uh, De Laurentiis didn't want uh, to give them a new contract at their age, so he, he just called them... Uh, basically, he said, like, uh, if they want to go to China and be prostitutes there, then it's, uh, they, uh, so be it. And uh, the players naturally were a little bit insulted by those words. They were the, uh, legends in uh, in Napoli, and uh, the dressing room in, at Napoli was actually, and still is, very good, uh, very, very united. But now they are united not uh, if, uh, in order to win. They are united against their owner, and <laughs> that is a huge problem. Uh, and Ancelotti. Uh, he, it's not really his fault, but he was caught. He didn't know uh, whose side to take here. He didn't want to to say, to be with the owner against the players, but at the, at the same time, he couldn't be with the players totally against the owner. So he made something in between. See, he's somewhere in between, uh, he, he, and and he, at the moment, I, it's it's not his fault that if if he's going to uh, to quit or to. To, to, to leave, it's not really his fault. It's basically, well, we understand with the owner. Now, Andy, there, there has been an equaliser in that game. Yeah, Napoli have, have just gone two each. Uh, but, my, hi, Michael, I wanted to ask you a quick question. Um, probably one of the most iconic figures for Napoli, especially for me over the last sort of maybe eight years, uh, Marek Hamšík obviously left um, and went to China. 
Um, has he kind yeah. of is is he the trigger point for these other players going right? We want big money, or we're doing the same. Uh, most probably, yes. In uh, Marek Kamšić had a, a, an absolutely a brilliant career at Napoli, and he he decided to leave. You know, Ancelotti in the first place wasn't a very good fit uh, because uh, uh, he he's a guy from the north. Even so, he's simple and uh, and he's uh, he's very friendly. He's very laid back. He he, he his career, the coach, he he, he, he uh, and uh, he's an easy guy to get along with. But uh, Napoli are all about fire and uh, emotions, and he's not really an emotional guy. And I think uh, that his arrival in in place of Sari uh, 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 when Sari uh, was forced to leave. And went to Chelsea. Uh, his rival uh, uh, sent uh, probably the wrong message uh, for uh, 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 for the players. It, it, it was like a, not not really the right type of the coach to make the next step up. And it it felt like uh, Napoli are going a little bit uh, uh, backwards. And maybe that's uh, that's the reason why Hamšík decided that he would just take uh, the big offer from China and go there and and the, uh, there is a sense that uh, the project a little is has stalled a little bit and maybe the, uh, the other stars are also thinking about their uh, future from uh, you know from a, a financial point of view uh, uh, guys like Mertens and Callejon who are on the wrong side of the uh, age of 30 uh, that's your last opportunity to sign a very big contract, and if Napoli don't uh, give it to them, and well, Michael, they we, might take it in, in in China. Michael, so okay, it looks like it's, this is not going to resolve so soon. Andy said it's it's still two one. That yeah, it's actually full time. They chalked it off for offside and then yeah. called full time. So off offside and then full time. So that's another loss for Napoli. Um, <clears throat> looking. Um, now, uh, something else you, you were covering yesterday, of course, was the Euro 2020 draw. Um, we, we, we've, we've looked at, say, the, the Russian draw, uh, who they're playing. I mean, they've got uh, Finland, they've got Denmark, and they've got Belgium. So, I mean, that's a decent draw for, for, for Russia. You'd, you'd hope for them to at least, you know, put up a fight uh, in that. It'd be very, very tough, of course, with uh, Belgium. Well, we know that. And Denmark are no pushovers as well, but they're not as good as Ireland made them out to be. But you had a slightly different take on the Euro 2020 draw with the amount of travel and kind of a little, it was quite messy for you. Uh, well, uh, yes, it, it's, it's a very strange tournament. You know, uh, for starters, uh, uh, even if, if you, when you look at the, as a Russian schedule, even if it, when you look at the schedule uh, and how it is, how it is presented, it, it, it looks wrong because Russia uh, away uh, to to Belgium in St. Petersburg. Then they play away to Finland in St. Petersburg, and they they play at home against Denmark in Copenhagen. The, the, that's the time. I mean, I don't think that's been decided bit, yet. Is, is it? Uh, is there still a, toin, uh, a, a coin toss to see who plays home yeah, <laughs> three times? Yes, yes <laughs> but you know, in, in, in previous tournaments, uh, the, the, the host country was uh, the host country. Now. Uh, take take a look, for example, at at at, the, the, uh, at, at Switzerland. Okay, uh, let's look at the Switzerland's draw. 
they start against Wales in Baku. Then they go to uh, uh, Rome to play uh, Italy. Then they go back to Baku to play Turkey. And then if they are, uh, finish second in the group, which is uh, pretty much uh, uh, what we should expect, uh, they go to Amsterdam to play the last 16 game. And then if they win the last 16 game in Amsterdam, they go back to Baku for the quarterfinals. <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> there'll be lots of air miles racked up, Michael, but... Yes, and, yeah, but, but if they win the, the, the quarterfinals in Baku, if they go to London. <laughs> so, so, you, so, you, you are a Swiss fan, okay? How are you supposed to follow your team? How are you supposed to follow your team at, the, at such a tournament? Is it, is this, That's a lot of yodeling. It is. I'll tell you, listen, is this a case, maybe, Michael, that they're, they're trying to kind of, like, um, big up the local places and let the local fans or nearby fans get tickets, and they'll make a, wee, a small allocation for, for Swiss and say, oh, you have a 1,000 tickets. But they're looking more to do, you know, to people to sit home on their couch and watch on TV. Is this all about commercialism because maybe it doesn't pay as much to have fans in stadiums? Maybe, maybe I don't know because there will be no real atmosphere uh, in any of those countries who are so-called hosts. Uh, uh, you know, the, the, in, during the World Cup, uh, I was in Moscow most of the time, and even though the Peruvians were not playing in Moscow in any in a single game, there were a lot of Peruvian fans on the streets in, in, in the Red Square, uh, and it, it, it was a, a, an atmosphere of some kind of a, a, a big party. Uh, and, uh, and it it won't be in any uh, uh, of those uh, cities in any of those uh, countries. And uh, uh, for example, okay, Baku, they've got their four games. Uh, they will get some money for it, I guess, and they will manage to take some profit. But I mean, they will not have the atmosphere of the big tournament. I mean, I'm, I'm none, look- whatso- none whatsoever. Exactly. Well, I'm, and, looking, and- I, I'm looking at Ireland, Michael, and I mean, so we're in, we we could get into Group B to, via Path B, or Group E, sorry, via Path B with uh, Spain, Sweden, and Poland, and we'll we'll have the first game classes and away game against Poland in Dublin. We'll then have our second game classes and away game against Sweden in Dublin, and our third game as a home game in Bilbao against Spain. So, uh, personally speaking, people are already booking flights to Bilbao from Ireland. They, they, they've gone on to uh, Aer Lingus and so on. So, there will be a mass of Irish people going around. I know that Irish love to travel, but again, as we saw in Baku, Baku is a terrible place to try and get to when you know, it, the infrastructure gets overloaded. So, Mike, listen, before we let you go, uh, your pick, who is going to win the Euro 2020 in your opinion? Give us your, your, your top two teams. Oh, that's a, a very difficult question because there are a lot of good teams and they, uh, there are no clear favorites, uh, uh, absolutely no clear favorites. But if you look at the momentum uh, and you look at, uh, at how things are going at the moment, I would say England are my favorites. Oh. Uh, and uh, and uh, it's, it's, I, 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 would, I would say that, uh, you know, if, if all those players... Uh, keep their form, uh, especially Raheem Sterling and you know, General Sancho and Harry Kane, and uh, and and the and the, the defence. Uh, it 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 could be England's uh, year. Okay. Uh, and uh, obviously, uh, Holland are also in a very good momentum, and they could 
they could possibly take it. Okay, so... Uh, Okay, well, look, we'll, we'll keep those as England and Holland, and we're going to hold you to that next summer. Listen, Michael, thank you very, very much for making your debut with us, and we'll speak with you again early in the new year. Uh, thank you. My pleasure. Thank you, Michael. That's Michael Yuckin, of course. The award-winning writer with ESPN. Right, we're going to go straight into the break right now. We will see you again, because that's the title of the song with Wiz Khalifa. We'll be back after the break. Remember... Message in, plus 795-1111-053, A or B, Portugal or Spain, who are the reigning European Championships? Back after this break with Alex B. Capital Sports with Alan.